2: Of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Maggie and Judd on Scorenorth and Scorenorth.com. You like that! You like that! Welcome in to Maggie and Judd. Early Merry Christmas to all of you as we sit here on this Friday, December 23rd, Vikings Met line, a Christmas Eve edition, will happen on the Purple Daily YouTube channel tomorrow can't promise old Mackadak won't get into the Christmas libations before then. All right. Good for you. I will be responsible. Judd, hopefully you'll be responsible. But, uh, Uh, well,
3: I'm planning to be at the stadium. If it's okay with you guys for the full game this time.
1: Uh, well, just text us at halftime and we'll, we'll, we'll assess how we feel. If
3: I can stay for the whole game. Well, uh, yeah, just send us a text. Send us a text.
1: We'll go. Do we just put a kibosh
2: on you ever doing that ever again? Right. There's pretty much no scenario that you would leave a stadium. At halftime, right?
3: Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, won't get fooled again. Can't get fooled again.
2: <laughs> I still love that. There's still emails coming. It's a feedback Friday, so we will get to a bunch of emails and uh, tweets and different things. You can always hit us up throughout the week on the Score North app. There's a feedback tab. But I still saw a bunch coming in this week. People just like, what a bad fan Judd is. Like, like, like you stormed off as a mad yep. fan. And I to, no, we. Judd was, would not have left if we not for peer pressure from Declan or myself. That well, if you like wanted a... to be part of VentLine, you had to leave the stadium because you can't. The NFL will they'll
3: handcuff your ass. Is he doing a live stream oh, during a trouble. game?
2: I'd I think carry you thing, out
3: all four limbs. I think they also would probably disqualify future VentLines post game from coming from the stadium. Yeah, it yeah. would. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Bad. Like I think they they could then say you can't. <laughs> like bad. you can't now because because rightfully so. The people that own the rights—I forget who the flagship is—they would get upset and report us.
2: Well, uh, and the TV, the TV, TV partners got too. Fox, I mean, I yeah, would, yeah, I'm, they probably would. I not be
1: about Fox and I'm about a local. Yeah, i more about
3: Yeah, I think I'm Fox saying.
2: would. am just the the, the the visual competition. The NFL you know, takes
3: things very seriously. I know
2: it's the no fun league. Mm. Is what they call it. Although they just uh, they just got two billion dollars in their pocket from YouTube to move the NFL Sunday ticket over, which is good for them. I was like, Well, that seems like a lot of money for Google to because Google owns YouTube. Seems like I got a lot of money for Google to pay out. And then I Googled uh annual revenue year by year. You know, they're they're gonna make over thirty billion dollars in yeah. revenue over there at that Google company. So
3: quick question. Do we know or YouTube?
2: How I'm sorry, YouTube alone is YouTube alone YouTube, is YouTube thirty alone. billion Not dollars. Google. Yeah, so Google is like, however much more than that. So.
3: Do we know how this is going to work too? Like, so can you get like if if you are a, a Vikings fan like you, Phil, in Seattle, can you just get the Vikings games, or do, do you have to get the entire package? So you get you'd have every...
2: to pay. You have to pay extra. So like okay. on YouTube TV now out here, so I I pay for YouTube TV. It's like sixty bucks a month or something for all these. It's like having cable, but it's streaming. And then on top of that, for MLB package, for NBA League Pass, for if you want like HBO Max or something, um, you have to. There's like premium tiers that you tack on. Oh, okay, so, so it's, all, like, okay. it's but you literally go into settings, and then you just click the thing that you want to add, and it just adds it. So because it's all connected to your to your Google and, and YouTube account. So uh, it's modern technology. I don't it's a, understand. It's a wonder as opposed to having a satellite dish on top of your uh, your house. But anyways, Feedback Friday here. Let's start with this one from Jake Ward. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on the lack of attention KOC is getting when the NFL Coach of the Year Award gets mentioned. I understand it's Minnesota and the national media puts us on the back burner, but it's so upsetting to watch what KOC has done, the changes he has made, and the culture he has created just to get passed over for bigger market coaches. He's a rookie head coach with an 11-3 and three team, a division winner, and a play caller who's getting Justin Jefferson so open that he's on the brink of a 2,000-yard receiving season. He deserves Coach of the Year goal. This weekend's actually a great little spotlight because Brian Dable, I think, is getting just as much, if not more, Coach of the Year team with an inferior record. He was. Is there any case to be made for Brian Dable? I mean, the Giants, I guess, were projected to be worse than the Vikings, but... Is there any real case right now that KOC shouldn't be ranked above Brian Dable in that discussion?
3: Absolutely not. Who's atop the list right now? Sirianni in Philadelphia. Let me pull it up here because I I feel like I feel like uh, KOC definitely is competition. But I also come back to I think the work that he's done with Kirk qualifies him as my. If I had a vote, I I would vote
1: for. I know Dan Campbell's odds have gone from like ten thousand as of like a month ago. To, like, plus 300. Like, yeah. what he has done in a month is absurd. And if you put a ticket on a plus 10,000, I'd be feeling really good about myself right now. Mm.
2: Um, Nick Sirianni, I'm on VegasInsider.com. Nick Sirianni is a minus 225. Dan Campbell is a plus 250. Wow. And then there's a big jump to Kyle Shanahan, plus 2,000. Brian Dable, plus two, uh, 2,500. And then Kevin O'Connell, plus 2,800, tied with Doug Peterson. Kind of amazing. Like Peterson mm. absolutely should be yeah. in this discussion. Yeah, too. In Yo, position, man, sure. And Kyle Shanahan's on his third quarterback, and they're still one of the best teams yep. in the league. It's a great coaching job. So all these guys are doing a great job, but, oh, I think Kevin O'Connell deserves a little more respect than to be fifth on this list. But, great. Um, here's a good one. This is from Ty on Twitter. Would you rather get a beer with Kevin O'Connell or Dan Campbell?
1: Oh.
3: Depends. Uh, yeah, one beer.
1: Yeah, that was my next question. Is
3: O'Connell, it... eight beers, DC. D- yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I want to
1: see like what if Dan going... Campbell looks like after eight
2: beers. As
3: long as he doesn't turn on me. Oh <laughs> man! But if we're gonna get a beer and talk like talk yeah, like guy guy talk for a beer and then and then responsibly head home, Kevin.
2: I think getting eight beers with Dan Campbell would be like being one of those lion tamer guys. That yeah, you just. You're just kind of crossing your fingers and hoping, yeah, oh, well, the lion's totally friendly and until forget, he's not.
3: Don't forget, though, eight beers, I think, in Campbell's world, probably loosens him up. Like, he's not schnockered at eight beers. Yeah. Because he's a big man, and my guess is he holds, my guess is he can hold his alcohol really well. So, eight beers would be fun. Sixteen would be a problem. I don't think the goal is to get schnockered Whoa. with these
2: guys i think it's no, just no. like i no. interpret it more like who would you want to sit down and sort of just have a
1: loosey-goosey conversation with? No, judd's I'm a like, Judd.
3: who can i get blasted you with me yes me <laughs> okay i'm just telling you
1: judd's right if it's just a beer or even let's just call it a drink one drink i want one drink with koc but but if you're talking about like we're gonna be here a little bit and we are gonna be knocking back on <laughs> numerous beers then i want I like dan I campbell that's, yes, this is this is, very, this is very this is very important detail. On. Huge important detail.
2: I don't know. So you're you're basically yeah. saying that you think KOC would get kind of boring after a beer, and you're just kind of good, and yeah. Dan Campbell would be more fun yeah. after like
1: three oh, hours. And yeah, seven beers. and and also I'm thinking about my own self here. I think Kevin O'Connell get very bored of me after a few after like one beer. So I know Dan Campbell and I can probably knock him back and and you know shoot He's the right. bleep for a little bit. Where KOC is like, uh, all right, this guy's weird. I will take the tab. Here's the two really beers nice to meet you Declan where Dan Campbell's like you want another like yes absolutely I want another let's keep him coming KLC
3: would would get a friend or his wife to call him to interrupt the conversation so like he would text his wife call me yeah oh hey honey yeah after 45 minutes I'm on my way home yeah no problem hey hey, Declan sorry I gotta gotta go go. yeah Yeah, Dex Knock that one out of the park! Right, I'm now.
2: choosing KOC for one beer or eight, but I do like that Declan just admitted he doesn't think that he is mentally stimulating enough for KOC beyond one beer.
1: Not for KOC. There's other people. There's numerous other people in yeah. this world, but not Kevin O'Connell. I'm well you aware think of that you, would, you wouldn't have enough to offer no. after about 20 minutes. You know what no. it is?
3: It's, so here, here's where I'm here's where I'm going to agree completely with Dex, and but but I don't think he I don't think he's putting himself down. Kevin O'Connell is a former Quarterback, he is he is pretty damn cool, and he's a like, and and he well he wasn't good, but he is a former professional athlete. Okay, guys like that, they run in different worlds, so they'll tolerate you. And Dan talk Campbell to you. was a former Dan was, Campbell. but I think he was he, one of the guys. Exactly, he's Ticey. Yeah, he's start... one of the guys. No, 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 no. He's a no, no. no. no, no definitely right Phil. here, Phil. Kevin O'Connell was not one of the guys. <laughs> he's an elite mind as a quarterback. Are you kidding? He's wired more. You're like making ladies. this up. What do you
2: mean, KOC's is not one of the guys. Have you seen his post-game locker room
3: speeches? Yeah, no, dude, you're that, just like
2: you just made up a narrative about Kevin
3: O'Connell. I'm gonna tell you his right wife now. would call him because you know, he's not. Right. Uh, he's he's not just one of the guys. Here. Kevin O'Connell ran with the goal. Kevin O'Connell is Fonzie. Dan Campbell is Ralph Mouth. Ralph Mouth would hang with you. Fonzie be like, I'm out of here. Nice reference from 50 years ago. Yeah. Hey, you, if really you relatable don't want Happy Days, watch Happy
1: Days. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yes, kids, that's your
2: homework assignment. Go watch, watch Happy Days. Happy YouTube
3: days. it. It's free I on do, YouTube.
2: I did go through a Happy Days phase uh, on Nick. I think it was like Nick at Night yep. back in the late 90s mm-hmm. when I was a teenager. Uh, Christian K. on Twitter says, On Purple Daily this week, you guys raised an interesting question of what you would give up for a Viking Super Bowl victory. I talk with my dad about this all the time. When the Vikings win a Super Bowl, we plan you, Can you guess what he plans?
1: The trip to the Super Bowl. No, so win. he
2: says if when the Vikings win a Super win. Bowl, oh, I see. his his dad and him will do this. This I is know. what they will sacrifice.
1: Oh god. Their first I born? Know. I don't I don't know. I- Exactly. They will, well, Declan, Declan did
2: say he would He would cut years off I would. his life for I would a cut years. Super Bowl win. That's okay. hardcore. Mm-hmm. They will never watch the NFL again. Oh. When the Vikings win the no, Super Bowl, that I is our final destination. That's genius. I love this. I no, I love this. Because anything beyond that yeah. is just. Oh, boy. I you're just this. caught up in the cycle of like. It's interesting. If if the destination for you as a You're fan is again. winning a Super Bowl, what is what's what could possibly be fulfilling next besides more Super Bowls, right? So I don't plan insane. to do this. I love the National Football League, and I want I want to continue doing the show with you guys. So I, I I'll let you know, I will keep watching um, the Vikings. But this is this is hardcore.
1: I mean, I, I this is not remotely comparable. But that's my fantasy football outlook. Like I finally won my dynasty league after nine years, and I was like. I don't want to do this anymore. I mean, I got a little tired of it, too. That was on the pie chart. But I was like, this is it. I did it. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I actually love this idea. I think this is really, if the Twins won a World Series, I might be able to quit baseball finally. That actually sounds great to me. Yeah,
2: I actually already quit baseball. Yeah, exactly. So it's very, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's very yeah.
3: liberating. <laughs> I don't think I could quit. I don't think I, I could do it. I, I, like, don't, I don't think I'm capable. I'm dead serious. This is like, I love
2: this idea. You just kind of move your energy into other yeah. things in life. Like, like what would this you do is. On
1: Sunday? Oh, well,
2: did you guys ever? Did you guys ever oh, see the documentary of the guy that Alex Honnold guy? Uh, free solo. He yeah. He solo climbed with no harness or safety net or rope or anything. This like a seven hour climb up this, uh, this mountainside basically. So any slip and you're dead, right? Mm-hmm. This was his. This was his. Once I do this. He didn't do it again. He did it. Okay. I checked that off. That was okay. consuming my life for a long time, wanting to
3: do this. It's over. And right. now I'm going
2: to move into other things in my life.
3: But like, if you win a Super Bowl as a player, <laughs> I could see what walking away because you've done the equivalent of, of getting to the top of the mountain. But as a fan, like I can't give it up. I give it up. I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm with considering you, it. I'd
1: consider I consider res-
3: it. I respect the
2: hardcore nature of this.
3: I mean, it's a great, It's it's really interesting,
2: huh? Something Mm. to think about. Well, something to think about. Um, Similarly, so uh, Bob Castelline sends an email into the show, and uh, I'm just—it's a little long. I'm going to kind of take some snippets here. You guys ask people how they got started with the Vikings when you bring people on. Write that down. For me, it was September 28, 1969. I was nine years old. And my dad, who actually hated the Vikings, got tickets from a relative in Minnesota. He's from, they're from Des Moines, Iowa. So he took me to my first football game. The Vikings played the Baltimore Colts on this September day in 1969. Uh, the Colts had just come off the famous loss to Joe Namath to the Jets in the Super Bowl. Still a very good team at the time. The Vikings destroyed the Colts that day, 52-14. to 14. This is just before Judd was born, I think, right?
3: Yep, a few months. That's
2: Joe Cap set an NFL record that day, throwing seven touchdown passes. I was instantly a huge Vikings fan, and Joe Cap became my hero. Still is. In my nine-year-old mind, this was how it would be for every game—just seven touchdowns, uh-huh. fifty-two to fourteen. This is uh, this is kind of what the '98 season was for some of us. Wow, this is great! This is gonna yep. be like this every year. Nope. Um. Boy was I wrong, Bob says. But it doesn't matter. I love the Vikings. Fast forward to January 9th, 1977. The Vikings had just lost their fourth Super Bowl, blown out by the Raiders. My older brother and my dad, who, as I mentioned, hated the Vikings, were giving me the business throughout the entire game. <laughs> as a 16-year-old hothead, I didn't take it very well. I went to my room, slammed my door, and yelled, lashed out at my dad. You're such a bleep hole, I hate you.
3: Whoa. Oh no. Wow.
2: My dad. Died a few hours later of a massive heart attack oh, no. on the same day that the Vikings lost their fourth Super Bowl. Watching the Vikings lose their fourth straight Super Bowl and my dad dying on the same day was pretty hard to take. I know I didn't kill him by yelling at him, but that's what it felt like. The day wrecked me for a long time. As you can imagine, winning the Super Bowl would be as important to me as anything in sports could be. Man,
3: that is heavy, man. Bob did get a chance to
2: meet uh, Joe Cap later in life, which is kind of cool. But uh, it is amazing how, I mean, we've heard so many stories just doing this show and Purple Daily from, and we, you know, we tell you every, we we want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. But
3: I think that before we die thing, it hits close to home for a lot of people. Yes. Well, yeah. And, And I mean, this is an extreme story, but just, I think there's a lot, when, when you have um, a sports team in in baseball, football, et cetera, get passed down, right, from generation to, like, you know, like, like your grandpa watched it with your dad, watched it with you. Yeah, I mean, I think it holds a meaning to, to people that's not just, uh, hey, we sort of like that team. Yeah. You know, they spend every Sunday. And you think about the ebbs and flows of this, again, a franchise, which has been really good for a really long time. So it's not like 10 years of horse bleep and y'all check out like they string you along. So, but I mean, this, this, this example is beyond extreme. That's awful. I mean, what a terrible day in that poor guy's life.
2: Yeah. And I think the other thing I appreciate, by the way, so, so I, I recognize Bob because Bob and I have had some, uh, some, some back and forth on Twitter, you know, arguing about stuff. And, uh, and I, I don't have the email, the full email pulled up anymore, but Bob said, you know, listen, we disagree. I chirp you on Twitter, but still love your show and love, like, the spirit of it. And I think that's one of the things we appreciate is we have strong opinions. We are wrong oftentimes. We ha- we are rooted in certain, like, we criticize the team more than some other shows and, and whatnot. And I think it's really cool when people can maybe disagree with half of the things they hear from Judd or me or get pissed at Declan defending Greg Joseph or whatever it is. No, I get but, we're all, but we're all here for the same reason, which is we love football. Right. We want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl at some point. And um, it's just become an awesome community. The fact that Bob and other people feel comfortable sharing personal stories like this, I think it, it always, uh, it's just kind of cool for us to to see that. So thank you for sending that in, Bob. Um, on a totally different note here, Pulford Skoll, our guy down in Nashville, has some reckless speculation. Ooh, nice. Reckless speculation. Presented by our friends at Federated. Federated has been around helping businesses for over 100 years helping to maximize businesses' success through risk management tools and resources. And uh, you can tap into a wealth of knowledge and experience, expertise, great people, face-to-face relationships at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. Pulford says, I've been talking about this for a couple days now, and Pat McAfee talked about it on his show this week, too. If Brock Purdy keeps playing solid football and takes the Niners far, do you think they will make a change away from him? I understand they have a great offensive line, weapons and system in place for everyone, but he still has to run and make plays. He's making plays. His ball looks great. He's not turning it over. He can run. I'm not saying, uh, I'm saying next spring, Kwasi Adolfa Menson needs to call up John Lynch <laughs> and make an offer for Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. If the Niners decide, well, I guess Brock Purdy's our Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it won't take three first-round picks anymore. He can sit behind Kirk and learn and heal for the 2023 season. And if Kirk goes down, we can have a reliable starter and in, in waiting. The kid's an athlete. He can play. Still don't know if he can manage in the NFL. Uh, I went to NDSU, watched every one of his games, and he and Christian Watson dominated the FCS. Trey is also really fast, a great runner. What do you think about this? Would you, would you consider? I'll throw Declan's guy in, too, like Zach Wilson. Uh, Would you consider buying extremely low on a former top, top pick
3: and stashing that person behind Kirk for a year? Uh, The answer is absolutely yes. Because, keep in mind, I have a coach that I trust to tell me what they think is possible. That's been the problem with this team for a long time is they didn't have the infrastructure in place with with the most important people in the building to say, I can fix that, or you know what? That's a lost cause. Um, I believe the Vikings have had interest in lance before so like i do think that they i think zach wilson i, I would say no um partially yeah, too. that
2: dude that dude rubs me the wrong way it's well he's like he, yeah.
3: he yeah. rubs me the wrong way but it's also unfortunate and like the i think we've discussed this before but there are some guys who might have had potential but they're taken by such a bad dysfunctional franchise they're just screwed uh zach wilson rubs me the wrong way but i also feel like now playing in that market Playing with the Jets, like, they're just still dysfunctional.
2: See, trade- I l- think Robert Sala's done. I actually I actually think less of Zach Wilson because he is the weak link okay. on a Robert Sala team that everything else is kind of clicking. Mm-hmm.
3: I think Robert Sala, though, is proving offensively he struggles. Chris Streveler being put in instead of Flacco to a National Football League game is a very college-type move. Trevler can't throw the ball. Like, he literally almost carries it to the intended target. He can run the ball really well. He's a great college player. He's a great CFL player. I think I think, think Salah has some zim to, to him in the sense that I think players still, I think they like him now, you know, and two or three, three years into Mike, they definitely, I think, appreciated Mike. That being said, I think offensively, this is why I want an O'Connell because I trust him to know what he is watching trey lance though quickly is a very interesting target now d- does that mean san fran brings back purdy because if i'm not mistaken garoppolo walks so garoppolo i don't see i don't see garoppolo with the way he's been treated going back there yeah. but trey lance is in the second year of a contract and his base salary for 2022 is 2.2 2 million dollars next year it's three point uh, 3. eight. 2024 he still signed and 25 is the option so if they're going to stick with Purdy it's an interesting target and and conversation if you go one more year of Kirk and now and now Lance sits again and this is why it's very incumbent upon, upon uh I think O'Connell to be the voice here which is oh hell yeah I can work with him you got to shorten up if nothing else the delivery it's too it's too but. I think there's talent there.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I would have to know what the compensation going back is, and I know this is going to sound potentially uh, potentially dumb, and I'm sure there are examples. I'm trying to think of who are flame-out top five picks, top ten quarterback picks that went on to a new scenery and and thrived. Off the top, I off mean, the complete top of our I'm sure there are does, people. Does
2: Alex... Alex- Alex Smith, Smith got, he got new scenery but, within his organization uh, yeah. when
1: Jim Harbaugh yeah. came along. But yeah.
3: Lance didn't flame out. That's what's intriguing. He's never gotten the chance because he got hurt. Like, mm-hmm. like true. Zach Wilson, Wilson flamed, flamed out. Yeah. yeah. Trey Lance is not a bust. He is a complete unknown. Yeah. He might be a bust. We don't know. He's yeah. just Correct. played a game and a half or whatever.
2: Super interesting. I would... I, I do think the Vikings, we keep saying this, but, like, they haven't truly planned for life after Kirk. Now, for a while, we were trying to force that to happen on this show a little earlier than uh, <laughs> than they did. But you've got, he's going to be 35 years old next year. He doesn't exactly have, first of all, there's not many quarterbacks. You can't just look at the outliers like Breeze and yeah. Favre. Like, there's, like, five or six guys who were really effective at 37, 38, in Brady's case, 44, 45. So you do need to start preparing. Now, does Kirk take care of himself? Yes. Like Kirk Kirk absolutely puts his body and his mind. He's you know, he's he's well put together for a 34 year old dude. He really is. So I do think he can play effectively for multiple years. But like if you have a chance to to maybe buy low on someone and put them in the system, sit them behind Kirk for a year, and then you can make the decision going into his age 36 season, my worry would be if you make the deal, yeah, to Declan's point, what's the price? But then also, would I then be getting into, like, with Trey Lance, I wouldn't even think about starting him until, like, his fourth year in the league. And now the value is much diminished because you'd only get, like, one year of cheap and then a fifth-year option, which is going to be a lot more expensive. And then you have to pay him if he's good. Yeah. So you'd, you'd have to have your team ready to rock and take advantage of the year or maybe two years where he's... You know, on a discounted contract.
3: Pulford, though, that's a great question. Love it. We can explore more of that. Though. That's really reckless, Pulford. Anytime
2: you want to bring reckless speculation to the table here. Reckless speculation. We're open for business on Mackey and Judd. Okay, let's um, let's keep the feedback Friday going here on Mackey and Judd. Dougie McGee on the Scorn Earth app says, Jefferson, Kirk, Darisaw, and Cook may steal the headlines but it's Patrick Peterson that's at the heart of this change in mentality amongst the players. There's leaders, and then there's real leaders. One of the best who came here apparently washed up and has proven that he's still elite, but more so has inspired this team and everyone around him to pull off the impossible. There's a reason why the other players and even the head coach mention him and his attitude and leadership in just about every game. He's the one that gave the halftime speech before the Colts come back too. Peterson is a winner. He knows what it takes to win. Refuses to accept defeat, and it's rubbing off on everyone around him. We've made some big signings over the years, but this may be one of the best and most underrated in recent years.
3: Yeah, you know what? That's th- those are all great points because he does have a demeanor about him that that just speaks to being in control, right? Like he's he's clearly not a rah rah guy, which is which is fine. But I mean, Patrick Peterson. It felt like last year he was trying to get his bearings like like he had been with Cardinals for so long. Um I think he walked into no question about it a dysfunctional team. Uh and so like it never felt like he was entirely comfortable. It does now. And yeah, he has he has proven to be as much of a value probably off the field as on and he's been solid. Like like he is he is not the borderline Hall of Fame player that that he was uh During his prime with the Cardinals. But all of those points are true. And it does feel like he is the guy. Who keeps things calm. It does feel like. And probably the most important thing too. Is the coaching staff trusts him. To be that type of guy too. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like there's any threat. With them. It It feels like he. He basically has organically. Now stepped up. To become a captain. As opposed to the whole thing of. These are the guys that are going to lead us. So yeah. I am I am in complete agreement with those points.
1: I, I love Pat P. I love when he brings on the field. Am I probably more inclined to believe that this pop-up season that he's having to a degree is more of a flash in the pan than it is sustainable? Yeah, I think it's more of a flash in the pan. Because um, it's just it's so hard to be a defensive back in the NFL, and it's even harder when you're on the other side of 30. But he is 100% of a big reason for this turnaround. He, he definitely is. Um, I'm curious what his future still holds with the Vikings, but I also believe because he's on the other side of 30 and it's just so hard to play defensive back that the the level of play that he's playing in 2022 is probably not sustainable in future seasons either.
2: You know, that, that's what I'm trying to figure out, because I think we all figured, oh, he's coming back. Right? So one more year of Pat P, and then you gotta, you, you've got these young cornerbacks that you've drafted and you're going to let them take over. But if you go through what he's doing this year, so he's been in the NFL now for, what, 11 seasons, I believe? I think this is season 11 for him. This is the most pass breakups he's ever had. This is, in terms of passer rating against when he's targeted, this is the third best season of his career. Overall PFF grade, this is the third best season of his career. Um, And then relative to the rest of the cornerbacks in the league, he's the sixth highest graded overall cornerback in the NFL. Third highest graded in coverage behind only Sauce Gardner and Patrick Sertan. (laughs) So he is like, he's been that dude this season. I'm bringing him back. I would, because that position group is so important and it's so weak right now for the Vikings because you don't know what Andrew Booth Jr. is. Cam Dancer has been banged up and looks like he might have taken a step back. Um, I would, it's not risky to bring him back on like another one or two year contract at age 33. So I would, he's the, he's the type of dude that I would, because you're kind of going year to year contractually, there's not a lot of downside. I'd rather go one more year and just be sure that I'm milking him for everything and his leadership too. So at this point I'd like to see him back next year.
3: Yeah. He's definitely what I, I would call a stabilizing force, right? Cause he's just consistent. And, and I, I think he is, I think he's consistent on the field and probably just as importantly, he's consistent off of it. Like he, he doesn't seem like a real highs and lows guy. And it's funny, like he goes, you know, at at halftime of the Colts game to Kirk and says five touchdowns, it's doable. Now that might sound crazy. And I think Kirk was like, what? But when you think about that, like confidence, and it's not coming from a guy who is like full of hyperbole, right? Like he's just a consistent dude. It's like, okay, I see what you're saying. Um, Again, I just think it's incredibly important what this team has from a chemistry standpoint, and there is no doubt about the fact that Peterson's a huge part of that.
2: Yeah. Let's see here. Alex Pacchetti chimes in here via the scorn of that. Back when I was in high school, I dated this girl. Let's call her Ava. I was madly in love with this gal. She was hot, funny, great smile. You get the picture. She also happened to be bat bleep crazy. Mm. This girl ran circles around me. She treated me so inconsistently. She confused me every day, always found a reason to yell at me, and my life was an utter mess of emotions and arguments and breakups and hookups, etc. I never knew how to feel or how she was going to react to anything I did. It was like being on the end of a yo-yo, the bizarre feeling of desperately wanting to be with someone but having to weigh the unavoidable therapy I'd need for years down the road. And then there's this year's Vikings team, which somehow makes that relationship seem like nothing stable. <laughs> the Vikings team has confused, frustrated, infuriated, and wowed me, and I still have no idea if I love them or hate them. The first half of the Colts game makes me so insanely confident they will not win a single playoff game, and then KOC's post-game speech has me crying and putting on my Antoine Winfield jersey and running through a wall for KOC. <laughs> I'm gonna try and enjoy the rest of whatever the bleep this season is, but like the girl I dated in high school, I already am checking my insurance plan to see what type of counseling is covered.
3: The most important <laughs> thing is is you can shut the game or the team off. That's the most important thing. So so that that's a starting well, point. you can you leave can a toxic relationship. Turn it off. You can turn it off, yeah, yeah, you you turn it off and uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it's true. Like, what like what part about that about uh, about this season is not true? It, it it is. It's maddening. How do you Very figure confusing. a team is down oh. by thirty three points? How do you fall down by seventeen points in Buffalo and come back to win the damn game? Yes, I mean, all of those things. Um, I you know, it's now impossible to ever predict that they are going to actually win a game by fourteen points. They do kind of feel like. The
2: wacky guy in Vegas who's just on a heater at two a.m. at the craps table, right? And people have gathered around. Oh, you got to, Oh, you got to! Did you see what happened? Oh my God, this guy's on a roll. You know, that's kind of what it feels like. And at the end of the day, they're probably probably not going to carry this through to a Super Bowl title. But I would say, I guess, my unsolicited advice would be: you got to just stop trying to analyze and figure it out. Or this is just one of the most unique seasons yeah. in Vikings history. Quite frankly, in NFL history, when you start to look at like their record versus point differential and the one score game victories and stuff, I think you just have to sit back, let it happen and and just watch each game as an individual entity and stop try people keep trying to take like what they've done, put it in a box, and say, well, here's the predictive value going forward, this or that i I just don't think you can do that with this team.
1: What was this guy's name? That, that had Alex Pacetti. Alex. Uh, well, it sounds like Alex had uh, a lot of anxious relationship behaviors here. So, like, he's putting other people's needs before his own needs, and he's looking for something secure, which is the top type of relationship you'd like to have. And the Vikings want... He wants the Vikings to be a secure relationship, which right now it weirdly is because of all this, this great season they're having. Uh, but But, yeah, you got to... Everyone's always going to tell you something better is out there. You're going to find it, and it's hard to like understand it until you see it. And that's where he's seeing with the 2022 Vikings that he sees, oh, this is what everyone's talking about. This is the secure relationship. And even though it might be a roller coaster to a degree, I'm letting it ride, and it's a fun ride to go beyond. See, I think the Chiefs are a secure relationship. I'm saying the 2022 th- Vikings. I'm not saying – I'm not saying – I don't think the
2: 2022 Vikings are a secure relationship. I think you just have to – Put some space between
3: you and them, and very few teams are yeah. right. The Chiefs are probably a pretty damn secure relationship. F- Philadelphia in 2022, I think, gets considered secure.
2: Yeah, you got Jalen Hurts for a but few years. Every season, teams.
3: the majority, like, like if you're going to get on the roller coaster ride, that is the majority of teams in th- this league. Don't expect it to be like smooth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's that's but well, this is again, I, I think Alex comes from he might be I, I Alex has been on uh write that down I'm pretty sure before. And I think there's a lot of younger fans and maybe I don't know if Alex if you remember the ninety eight season, but the ninety eight season ruined a generation of Vikings fans. It's to the point we were one of the earlier questions was about the Joe Cap seven touchdown game, right? Back in nineteen sixty nine. That if your first experience is that, oh my God, the quarterback throws for seven touchdowns in the first game I went to. Oh, it must be like that every game. The first full season, Now, I, I started watching full seasons in like 92, but 98 also ruined me and anyone else that jumped on the bandwagon because you thought, oh, they're just blowing the doors off everyone. They're just throwing deep 50-yard passes to Moss. This is easy. Yes. <laughs> and even when they lost to the Falcons, it was like, well, that sucked, but they're just going to do
3: this again next year and the year after, and it's going to be great. And, the, pro- and <laughs> the problem with that whole thing was if you had watched the previous years, you would know that two 2000- thousand and 22, for the most part, is the norm. Like yeah, the just... 96 Vikings, the 97 Vikings, the, the comeback miracle against the Giants, all of those things. So, yeah, there, there, there was this really weird one blip where it became the Harlem Globetrotters' high-flying act. But the majority of years have been far more uh, comparable. Not exactly to this, but a lot more like this than that one year where it was incredible. Or, or you know, there there were... I guess the only other comparable to 98 a little bit was 2009 when they got on that roll and started to beat teams pretty badly. But besides that, it is always like this to a certain degree.
0: You
2: bring up that 97 season. That's a good segue into Tim Hamill's comment. Hey, checking in to let you guys know uh, that the West Coast operations are going well. Also, Spotify says Purple Daily was my most played podcast of 2022. You guys were in my ears for about 5,500 minutes this year. So thank Thank you. you. Thank you, Tim. It's awesome. As we're talking about crazy comebacks in Vikings history, one game that rarely seems to get any love is the 97 wildcard game on the road against the Giants. Much like last week's game, pretty much everything went wrong for the Vikings in the first half. The Giants, led by Danny Connell, Tiki Barber, Michael Strahan, and Jason Seahorn, got out to a 16 nothing lead thanks to three Randall Cunningham turnovers. The offense struggled much of the game, yet somehow the Vikings came back down 22-13 to with 90 seconds left. Miracle the trouble. win was largely made possible by a successful onside kick. Mm-hmm. Not sure why this one doesn't seem to come up much. Perhaps because it was pre-Moss era, or because the team went from eight and two to barely making the playoffs, or because the following week they got crushed by the Niners. What do you think? I think the buzzkill of the next week and and then the the Moss season in '98 kind of like made you forget about that comeback. But that was one of the greatest comebacks in Vikings
3: history. Yes, and don't forget too, the word was was that if if uh, the Giants had closed that game out, Green was going to be fired as coach. Which means they probably don't draft Moss. Oh, man. Because it was Denny that, I mean, Moss free fell and it was Denny that stopped it. Yeah. Denny stopped that. So, so if, if they lose that game, which by the way, they should have, Green gets canned because I believe it was that year, if I'm not mistaken here, that Green wrote the book in which he had a chapter on how he was going to basically buy the team from the 10 people who owned it or sue them. So let's just say that they were, they were itching for a reason to fire Denny. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's say you don't draft Moss. Think about the trajectory just from a fan perspective, okay? Think about how many people do not become just loyal, lifelong Viking fans if you take a different player that season. If you take any any April.
2: player, yeah, any other player. It's amazing. So, basically, recovering an onside kick led to the butterfly effect that was the Randy Moss 98 season, yeah. et cetera.
3: Oh, I don't think a new coach to, takes him.
2: No, that's that's fascinating. I love that stuff. You could play that game for a lot of different, you know, the the NFL butterfly effects would be a great <laughs> podcast to explore at some point, just like there's a thousand episodes you could do. And then Frank Bella chimes in. You guys need to remove the halo you've placed around Kevin O'Connell's head. Once again, a miracle win has given KOC cover from his biggest colossal blunder, not firing Ed Donatel. I rewatched the Colts game, and it's an absolute falsehood that the defense played well. They allowed the usual chunks of yards in the first half, though they allowed only a field goal in the second half. The fact is, when a team is winning a blowout, they tend to get conservative. You think if the score was tied at halftime, the Colts would have scored only three points? I like O'Connell, but this is a litmus test issue. Failure to be the boss and make the decision to get rid of Donatel will cost them a real shot at winning the Super Bowl.
3: Okay, that all might be true, but hold on a second here. Let's go back to to the disastrous first half, all right? The defense held like the offensive special team screwed up. Starting with, I believe, a 49-yard kick return to open the game for the Colts. And the defense held the Colts to field goals when they were trying to score. Now, that being said, I understand the Colts offense from a scoring standpoint stinks, okay? But I'm skeptical, too. I'm skeptical about what this defense can do potentially in a playoff game. But all that being said, I think he's going to, even by my standards, I think he's going to great lengths to dismiss what actually was some nice stands by a defense uh, that if they give up touchdowns, the Vikings do not come back and win that game.
2: Yeah. Also, I mean, just sometimes just look at the data, too. The Vikings defense allowed 4.4 yards per play in that game. On the season, they were allowing 6.1. So they were they were markedly better statistically. If you still want to carry the point forward that they were in conservative mode, that maybe the Colts were in conservative mode for at least the third quarter because the game was over in their minds, I will listen to that argument. I do not think the defense was incredible by any means, but I do think we saw some major adjustments, the blitzing, and I think they held strong. when the, When the Colts eventually tried to fire it back up, they couldn't in the second half because the Vikings' defense was there. So w- would it be interesting to see now against the Giants a more neutral game flow where it's a closer game and and you know the Giants are trying to throttle down for 3 hours and then how does the Vikings defense look? Yes, I am interested to see that tomorrow. Absolutely. Um that's a wrap. I got no more for you guys. I got no more for That's it. On feedback. That's, you guys are free to go to go uh drink or whatever you want to do here between now and Ventline on Christmas Eve. A, I
1: might I I I think I told you guys off mic. I am the only soul in the entire radio side in the building right now at, at, at the company. It's a company holiday today. I did not know that. Yeah. And uh I might just like <laughs> you know take my pants off run around or something. I don't know. There, there's no, nothing else going on up here. So we'll see. Hmm. Of all the things you could do in an empty building yeah. you're going to take your pants off and run around. You know what? I'm going to just I'm going to put Score North <laughs> and Purple Daily on all three radio stations. That's what I'm going to go do. There you I'm going to broadcast KS95 it. Try to stop me. Judd's takes on the Vikings game.
3: On oh Saturday. boy, that'd be a good way to get fired right there.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, thank you guys for hanging out with us here. Um, we're going to be on the Purple Daily YouTube channel—a Christmas Eve edition of Vikings Vent Line. So be sure to come join us. Bring your whole family. <laughs> Wear your Santa suits. Whatever you want to do, oh, come join oh, us oh
0: on yeah, Christmas Eve.
2: All, unlike Dex, keep your Vikings <laughs> Giants. Judd Judd Claus going to be uh, rocking the hat.
0: We'll see you guys tomorrow on Vikings VetLine. Thanks for hanging out. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plug Chris Howard. University of Michigan QB J.J. McCarthy makes bold predictions but doesn't fulfill them, and Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles misses an opportunity to etch his name in Buckeye lore. Fans love their teams and the players, that is, until they don't. When it comes to finger-pointing, you'll find no greater antagonist than the fan. Why? Because it means more to them, or so they believe. As a former player, nothing angers me more than armchair charlies accusing the teams of overlooking opponents or blaming players for providing bulletin board material. Believing up to the game, the fan is the one talking the most, boasting the most. When the team is winning, it's a lot of we talk. But when the team loses, it turns into they lost. You will never know what those moments feel like because you didn't put in the work to earn those feelings from those moments. That's the great thing about being part of a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. We cry, we console our brother. We don't point the finger, we go back to work, back to the early morning workouts, the hill sprints. Back to the bloody noses and broken bones. Why? Because it really means more to us. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard,